always said that timing is everything when it comes to running for office. And you really have to know, um, you know, what you're, what you're up to, what the community needs. And, you know, you really can't force a square peg into a circle hole. I'm your host, Miss Bailey Jean. And I'm Jonathan Bell. And you're listening to the Gen Z Boss Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping Gen Z succeed in the changing world. We want to help you become a boss in all areas of your life, whether it be in education, finances, or your career. We research and bring in new guests to help you become a Gen Z boss. Give me like a brief introduction of who you are. Wow, it's uh, where to begin. Um, so yeah, my name is Zach Constantine. I'm 22, mm-hmm. and I am a proud, lifelong Hudson Valley resident. So for uh, those who don't know where the Hudson Valley is, it's that sliver right along the Hudson River, north of New York City. Um, I live about an hour and a half outside of the city, and it is a beautiful community um, that is very much a part of uh, my DNA, both personally mm-hmm. and professionally. Um, and I grew up in a small town called Goshen and graduated from Goshen High School, um, proud uh, public school graduate through and through all the way through SUNY Albany, where I finished up my undergraduate degree uh, this spring in May. And sort of all along the way, I have found myself really involved in politics. Um, you know, from a really young age, I was sort of interested in community service and it manifested itself into uh, working on political campaigns. Uh, I found a really great mentor in Senator James Goofus when I was 18 years old, and he asked me to come uh, work on his state Senate campaign the summer before I began my freshman year in college. Uh, And that's when I also met another state Senate candidate that year who was running in my hometown right next door to his district. Uh, Her name was Senator Jen Metzger, and they both won their elections in November. And Jen, uh, you know, she had asked me to join her team in Albany as a legislative intern. She quickly hired me as her community outreach coordinator. So I got to spend um, almost the entirety of her term actually working in district, uh, doing community outreach, working on projects uh, and traveling around this beautiful region in the state of New York. Um, So when unfortunately she didn't win her reelection, I decided to um, spend the last couple of years really expanding on that involvement. Obviously, I just finished school. Um, but I uh, worked with a team of other young leaders to recharter the young Democrats of Orange County to try to grow an activist base of new leaders. Um, I'm the vice chair of the Orange County Democratic Party. I'm currently running to become the chair of the Orange County Democratic Party, which a lot of people don't really understand the nuances of a party election versus a government election. As you know, I was running for state legislature for a little while. Um, so a lot of really fun things going on. And you know, I like to just um, go with the flow and, and, and take whatever opportunities I can to be of service to my community. You know, you say that, and I find uh, when I talk to people who are involved in politics, they have a very similar path there. When it comes to like to politics, I feel like as a career, it's not like a one straight do this. It's very much of like opportunities just come. Do you feel like that's like how it has been for you? I do. I mean, mm-hmm. you most people look at me and assume that this was totally the plan, but um, I never intended to be this deep into politics at mm-hmm. this age. My, my plan, ask anyone from high school, was certainly to be an attorney. Uh, I was on a state championship winning mock trial team. I was thinking pre-law all the way. And I really fell into these great opportunities and met a few people along the way um, that really looked past my age and sort of gave me a, a, a break, if you will. Do important work that you might not expect someone to do while they're still a student. So take us back, um, because you talked about 
you had certain elections and certain um, campaigns that like kind of got you started. But what exactly did that look like for you? What was, what is like ground zero when you're getting involved in politics? Yeah, it's really, it's really funny actually, because my first involvement in political campaigns weren't even for Democrats. You know, so we're all like young people in, in school, you know, grade school, high school, looking for volunteer opportunities. So when I was looking to just volunteer in the community, the first campaigns I was exposed to being in a relatively sort of conservative suburban community were campaigns of Republicans. And don't be, don't get me wrong, I met some nice people along the way, mm -hmm. but I very quickly learned being in the thick of it that ideologically, you know, I, I had my own thoughts. I mean, this was like up until the 2016 presidential election, I was in a sort of politically divided household myself. So forming my own opinions, like in the thick of it was really a very game-changing experience for me. And also just being like a young closeted queer kid, you know, sort of like code switching in and out of um, what you're sort of expected to sort of feel as a young male high school student. Uh, but as I got a little older and really learned more about the issues, I found myself really being drawn towards democratic politics. Mm -hmm. um, and it was hard. I mean, I feel like that was like my first big, like coming out as a Democrat, <laughs> um, but it gives me a really good perspective because I think that um, in communities like mine, you have a lot of just bread and butter, kitchen table, working class concerns. And you have to look to um, not necessarily the ideological talking points that get the most clicks on social media, but really the political arenas where you're going to get the most done. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in New York State, at least, or at least in my local communities that I've worked in, um, the Republican Party has typically talked a lot about problems and raged against um, you know, various topics and, and culture war issues. And the Democrats, at least the ones I work with, uh, like to focus on solutions. And I've mm -hmm. really found a home there. And that's, that's, again, a testament to the people that I had an opportunity to work with early on who sort of took me under their wing and said, you know, grow, grow with us and learn from us and, mm -hmm. and, and work with us. Okay, that's interesting when you said that you worked for Republicans first, um, because yeah. I actually did the same. I'm from Missouri. So okay. obviously in my area, it's very red. And I actually worked for like, kind of went up for Nixon mayor, the one for state representative. And now I'm kind of like transitioning to Democrats. Um, yeah. Do you think that, what are your personal opinions of working for different politicians who you might not necessarily have the same ideology, but you can see that they're like a good person with good values and things like that? Yeah, I, I don't uh, actually work with individuals these days that do not yeah. share my ideology. It yeah. is so personal for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's why it's so special that I really do get to be selective about the people that I hitch my wagon mm -hmm. to. And, um, you know, I love that. I think that, you know, people have different personal priorities and, and opinions, but I would not want to do this work if there mm -hmm. weren't sort of a personal passionate component to it. And I understand that there are a lot of consultants out there that um, that, that do this professionally and will take the jobs as they come. And that's great. Mm -hmm. We need professional campaign talent in, in every level, whether it be local, state or federal. Um, but I take a lot of passion in really um, like living my values in as mm -hmm. many ways as I can. That's good. Was it, so what was that turning point for you? When did you realize that that was what you needed to do for yourself? The Trump era was unbelievably eye-opening. I mean, mm -hmm. at a time when you know, we are seeing just the ideological divide turn in a way. Um, and freedom and individual liberty are starting to look more like luxuries wherever you look, whether it be in our bodily autonomy 
or our rights as queer people or, um, you know, what's expected of us as Americans and, you know, the role that our government is going to play and just what we, what we need to expect in terms of the kind of country we want to live in. Do we want access to healthcare, mental healthcare, a clean environment? Do we care about our neighbors, whether or not they're immigrants? And I just think that all of those things came to a head in 2016, in addition to me just really becoming more informed about political issues and taking a serious interest in social justice, our economy, uh, from an economic perspective, making sure that the working class is really represented, learning about unions and the role that organized labor plays in workers' rights, especially at a time where we're seeing massive corporations and multinational conglomerates worth billions of dollars just mm -hmm. taking control of our economy at the expense of small businesses and everyday people. And I, I really do think that we need to make sure we're, we're holding the line on those issues. That's awesome. So take us back when you decided to actually run yourself. What led to that decision? Why did you think that was the right timing? And what are things that you think you learned from that? So it's so funny. Most people don't know this. The first time I actually ran for office was at the town level when I was 19 and still really? in college. Yeah. So it was a really fun experience. So right when I turned 18, actually right when I registered to vote as a Democrat, and this is like, you know, a few months into, it was a really quick turnaround, like even establishing that I was a Democrat, but I joined the Democratic Committee in my hometown that I had lived my entire life right away. And, you know, I was in college uh, at that point, you know, I went from sort of full-time on-campus college student, fully invested in college first semester to full-time on-campus college student working in the state legislature part-time second semester to that summer being work, like working for a member in district. So I was growing into my political government involvement professionally. Mm -hmm. And locally speaking on the committee, I was about a year in, in, in early 2019, when we were discussing, okay, who's going to run in our local elections this year for the town board, town supervisor. And, you know, it's kind of hard to find candidates in these local communities where the Democratic Party doesn't win many local elections. And even in places where we can win those elections, we don't really have the long-term organizing infrastructure built to be successful. So mm -hmm. um, looking at the numbers in my hometown and having such deep roots there, I really thought to myself, I could do this. And I'm familiar at least enough with the community um, that I would be a good town board member. Uh, so at 19 with very little experience um, you know, with anything, um, I ran for the town board. And I only lost by like 67 votes. It might have been you know, not bad at all. It was, yeah. I mean, like it was really close and I was much closer than I, even I hate to admit much closer than I expected uh, for my first time out. And I think that that's really what showed me that, um, you know, regardless of when the opportunity came next, uh, electoral politics is something that I would be interested in. Because mm -hmm. um, I really, I just like the, the interfacing with voters. I like talking to people about issues. I love to listen. Um, and just get a sense of like what people care about and see what can actually be done. So that's mm -hmm. what was like my actual first experience running for office. So tell us then what got you to do it again after that? Yeah, so the state legislative race was such an interesting sort of point this year. And um, again, you know, I spent the rest of Senator Metzger's term, which ended, you know, on the last day of 2020, pretty much. Um, working in a state legislative office, dealing with a lot of state legislative issues, 
Um, we're talking about the year when COVID sort of turned everything upside down. Now, I did community outreach, so I planned events. Um, I interfaced with organizations that were hosting events. I traveled around a four county district to events. So when the world shut down, so did all of these events. And I spent a lot of time, um, you know, doing a lot of like unemployment cases, talking to people who were really having a hard time, um, who were really struggling during the pandemic. Um, and when Senator Metzger left office, I really doubled down and reshifted my focus back to local campaigns. So I really spent all of 2021 working with local candidates for the county legislature, for the town board, town supervisors, um, some county races, just trying to like refocus on those local, like I said, kitchen table, bread and butter issues, um, understand the issues facing specific communities, and then also sort of take some of those skills that I had learned because after my race in 2020, I was the deputy campaign manager on Senator Metzger's reelection campaign, which was a huge undertaking. It was one of the most expensive races in the state. Um, and then I also managed a countywide family court race in 2020. So now between my race in 2019, 2018, and then my 2020 races with some senior campaign staff experience, I was feeling really good about races. And especially with all the campaign technology that we learned and all the infrastructure that we're trying to build. Um, you know, also by that point, I had uh, gained a leadership position in the party at this point, you know, I was vice chair of the county committee. So I was spending all of this time trying to provide the sort of higher level campaign uh, consulting skills and tools to local races that oftentimes don't really have access to that you know, type of thing. So um, I guess it's a long way of saying by the time redistricting rolled around in New York for this term, and it became clear that there was a potential for a really solid showing and that you know, I could sort of go back into where I'm really passionate, which is state politics, and, you know, potentially make a difference in that arena as well. Um, I, I just had to throw my hat in the ring. And um, it just sort of felt natural. And to me, I've always said that timing is everything when it comes to running for office. And you really have to know, um, you know, what you're what you're up to, what the community needs. And, you know, you really can't force a square peg into a circle hole. And, um, I, I also just generally think that, you know, some people may be really good at potentially wanting to run for, like, they might be a great potential elected official, but they might not want to go through a campaign. So mm -hmm. I felt like all the stars sort of aligned for me, um, to, to throw my hat in the race, especially now with the, like the age and the energy that I have to do that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Is that something you still are looking forward to do in the future? That's a really tough question, you know. I, mm -hmm. I, I am someone who does not necessarily think that I have to be in an elected position mm -hmm. um, to make the kind of difference in issue advocacy and politics that I would like to. Um, I think anyone that is just like, it has to be, and as an elected official, um, I just don't really relate to that. Would I? Absolutely. I would totally do it. Um, but like I said, you know, the timing has to be right. I have to feel like the constituency really needs like my type of leadership at that particular moment. Um, and I work with a lot of politicians. So, you know, if someone else is really great for a job and I'm really psyched to get them into a certain position, then they should be in that position. Mm -hmm. um, but I could see a scenario in the future, especially since like, you know, given the landscape and how things changed this year for me, um, I'm currently not on the ballot for the state legislature in this November election. Um, you know, a future opportunity is certainly something I'd consider. Mm -hmm. 
What are things that you look for in a politician that you would either um, volunteer for or work for? That's such a fun question because I, <laughs> I do a lot of candidate recruitment and it's literally my favorite thing to do. Um, so I particularly love to find like working class people, um, you know, and I understand that there's some really incredible people who might be a, very wealthy who, you know, make great politicians. But I think that because of the way our political system is structured, it massively, you know, disadvantages working people who want to get involved in politics. Big money really does control our political system. So, um, you know, if the grassroots fundraising skills are there and they're willing to put in the work, working class candidates, people with families, people who um, work in, in the public sector are really cool. If they're teachers, um, I love working with teachers. Um, you know, it just really anyone who brings their true and authentic self to this work. So A, you've got to be super passionate about the community that you're looking to represent. B, I think you have to be knowledgeable about the issues that are relevant to your particular race. So if you are a wealth of information on foreign policy, and that's where all of your, you know, your main talking points and issues are, I don't know that being a town council member is really the best fit for you. Um, you know, even if local government is a great place to start, you got to know about, uh, you know, the water, sewer and transportation infrastructure first. Um, so you got to be somewhat knowledgeable or at the very least willing to learn um, and pay attention to those who know. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be personable. You've got to be someone who is really willing to listen and really willing to understand where people are coming from and the way they feel about things. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I love it when people just are themselves, real, more real people in government. That is awesome. Yeah. What are things that you advise other people um, if they're trying to look for, I hear this all the time, Bailey, who should I vote for? Um, like what issues how what do you advise other people to do like um how should they look for information how should they pick a candidate to vote for yeah so that's a really important topic for gen z mm -hmm. because we are i think probably the most informed generation just having oh, yeah. so much information at our fingertips at all times um so even being 22 my experiences when i was 15 are not the experiences of 15 year olds today because they even they can access more information um, to make a difference. So I actually wanna expand that a little bit. It's not even just to vote. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's to volunteer because mm -hmm. if you're 17 in November, you might be even more passionate than someone who's eligible to vote on a particular candidate or an issue, um, but you don't know really know where to cha channel that, I would say. Um, so I think that social media is one of the greatest tools it's a great place to start, mm -hmm. but we have to somewhat shift the burden onto candidates in a way, mm -hmm. not just the actual individual who are looking for information um, to introduce themselves in a format where people can find out who they are. So yeah, it's having a really engaging website. Um, it's having a really valuable platform that is you know, available to read. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that we need to look into tools and there are plenty of websites out there um, and, and different sources that you can use to figure out who your candidates are and this, like what district potentially you live in. Um, if you go to like vote.org, there's like wherever you can find your polling place. If you Google mm -hmm. it, 
um, it'll show you like the actual electoral districts you live in. So you know, if you live in a particular town or village, that village might just be a, a village in name. You might live in this municipality that has a local government and a county that also has a local government. And you also live in a state legislative district that might be in a different state legislative district than people who are in your school district potentially. Mm -hmm. And depending on where you are, most states, I think all states, most states have two state legislative houses, just like the federal government. So mm -hmm. you'll probably have an assembly member or state representative and a senator. Uh, and that's separate from the US senator and member of Congress that you have. So all those things are district based. And not to say you can only advocate for people in your district, but you can only vote for people in your district. So whether you're in a primary cycle or a general election cycle, you should start by identifying what districts you live in. Then you should reach out to your local party. So if you know you're a Democrat through and through, um, every municipality in the country has some sort of Democratic Party infrastructure, where whether it's active and successful or not. And if they're doing a good job, they should have information about the candidates um, and the party committees that work with and select and nominate those candidates um, and when the primaries are for those races. So you can look into sort of selecting uh, which Democrat you're more interested in supporting later on. And that's why I oftentimes tell people um, in the process of doing their research for political campaigns that the work really begins like most of the work is done way before you're in the dog days of an election campaign in September and October it begins at the party level way in advance that's where all the foundation is laid so you mm -hmm. know if you're a really independent minded person and you're not interested in the partisan politics it's really finding those candidates who are putting themselves out there uh, and making themselves available to you doing your research and not being afraid to reach right out to them mm -hmm. that's awesome what advice would you give for young individuals, it can be high school, college, anyone in Gen Z um, who either want to get involved in politics or then they themselves want to be a politician someday? Well, you know, it's it's twofold. So you mm -hmm. do have to learn and listen because, you know, while you might be full and I'm I'm totally guilty of doing this sometimes full of energy, you're raring to go, you want to be in it but there is so much to learn. And I'm telling you, if I, at 18 years old, if someone said, hey, we got this district over here, you wanna run? Probably would have said yes, but I, was, I would not have been ready, that's for sure. Um, I needed that experience. I needed that time to learn. So you, know, you don't wanna get caught up in a situation where you're learning from people that don't want you to grow because learning and growth, um, they're separate things, but they go hand in hand. So learn from people um, that, that want to grow you, that want to see you succeed, that find those people that are going to welcome you in and, uh, you know, give you uh, the respect of a young professional who just wants to do a good job in this space and who has really good intentions. Um, I found that in a few people that really took me under their wing and gave me great opportunities to actively learn, um, to take on more and more responsibility as time went on. And then once you reach that point where you are sort of in your comfort level, um, you want to step out of it just a little bit and put yourself out there and not be afraid to, um, you know, get involved and ask to be more involved. And if necessary, um, you know, shake the tree a little bit, you know, you can be a disruptor and, and you know, be effective. And I've found that at times um, I'm a little bit disruptive and I do want to make change. Once you learn how systems operate, um, you know, you see things with a fresh set of eyes as a young person. Um, you're, you're not jaded by the way we've been doing things. 
you're able to see the result of those things and maybe come up with some ideas about how we can strengthen our, our systems, be it, be it in government or on the political side uh, to make us stronger and more effective. And that's where I am at right now uh, in terms of Democratic Party organizing. It's you know being involved in the party, growing, growing up sort of professionally in this party infrastructure, um, I see where we need to sort of like double down and focus our energy. Um, and I'm really hoping that enough people give me the opportunity and trust to, um, to, you know, bring that forward. That is completely solid advice. <laughs> I, I <hope>. love that. <laughs> okay. So I have one final question for you. Um, it's kind of deep, but what does the term Gen Z boss mean to you? Wow. So, um, I think it starts, this is going to get, oh, we're getting really into it now. We're getting real deep. <laughs> um, I think that totally starts from within because I think you have to feel like a Gen Z boss to mm. be a Gen Z boss. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't always feel like a Gen Z boss because, you know, it is really intimidating. I will be honest with you. I experience a lot of ageism out there. I experience a lot of ageism. I experience a lot of people um, that expect so much from you because young people know things. We know the campaign technologies. We know how to pop off on social media. You know, we are really skilled in certain ways, but they want us to be the volunteer this and the, you know, speak when spoken to that. And a lot of people will try to undervalue your skills. So when, like I said, you know, before, when it comes to inserting yourself and getting involved, there's going to come a point where you've got to, you've got to be that boss and you've got to understand your worth and really go forward with purpose and passion. Um, so I would say being a Gen Z boss is not only embodying the values of our generation, which is the Gen Z component of it, being uh, engaged, interconnected, informed, and passionate, which I would, is the one word I would, if I could use one word to describe our generation, it is passionate. Um, so take all those qualities and work on that internal confidence that you need and understand that having that internal confidence every single day, every single minute is completely impossible. Um, but you have to sort of recenter to that if you want to be successful in anything, I think, um, but especially politics. That was amazing. I love the way you just phrased all of that. Um, that is the end of like the interview portion. Um, but do you want, if actually, do you want to give us a little bit of like, where can we find you? Um, if listeners are interested in uh, watching your TikToks or your Instagram, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, where can we find you at? Uh, so my Instagram is really easy. It's just my name, Zach, Z-A-K, Constantine, C-O-N-S-T-A-N-T-I-N-E. Um, I believe my TikTok is Zach Constantine NY. And then my Twitter is Z-M. So my middle name is Michael. So Z as in Zach, M as in Michael, Constantine. Um, yeah, I mean, those are my social medias. Uh, I like to post my travels and what I'm going to and what fundraisers I'm, I'm attending on uh, Instagram. Um, I kind of like to mess around and post, obviously my, my go-to political rants <laughs> and hot takes, uh, but also just, you know, fun stuff on my TikTok. And um, you know, I share a lot of really cool stuff and important resources and information on my Twitter, especially if you live in New York. Mm -hmm. um, Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found something useful. For more information, check out our show notes and follow us on our socials. As always, feel free to reach out and tune into the Gen Z Boss podcast every Tuesday for a new episode.